0: Welcome to Unstyled. I'm your host, Christine Barbrick, co-founder and global editor-in-chief of Refinery29. Each week, I invite a notable person to come in and talk with us as we explore the funny, inspiring, sometimes heartbreaking tales of life, work, and love, as told through the things that we wear. It's not hard to associate Kate Hudson with a seemingly carefree existence. Maybe it's the next level movie star smile, the eternally sunny vibe, or just the fact that this Oscar-nominated actress also happens to be the truest of Hollywood royalty. You might be right, but not completely. Hudson, who starred in such fan favorites as Almost Famous and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and who also just turned 40 and gave birth to her third child last fall, isn't daunted by seriously challenging stuff whether it's helping to guide and run a multi-million dollar brand, or running a busy household. She acts, she produces, she parents, and she also helps oversee and drive the next-gen vision for the global athleisure company, Fabletics. But Hudson's latest effort, a ready-to-wear partnership with New York & Company, aims to do something most brands shy away from, at the same time spearheading an issue dear to her heart, sustainability. With the fashion and apparel industry being among the most wasteful when it comes to the environment, Hudson took on this designer and partner role with an extra special mission in mind. Quote, It's very hard, she says, to be completely sustainable, but it's all about how we make those efforts that counts. Named Happy by Nature, this particular eco-friendly line doesn't just use sustainable fabrics, the baseline for greener collections. At Hudson's insistence, Happy by Nature also eliminates plastic tags and uses biodegradable packaging, a holistic approach that's more honest and deeply considered than most typical earth-conscious clothing. And challenging the apparel industry with smarter standards isn't the only innovative shift this entrepreneur has pushed for. With Fabletics, Kate made inclusive sizing a part of the brand's DNA from the start. And that brand's startling growth to 250 million annually definitely made other athletic brands sit up and take notes. Whether it's confiding her own truths about motherhood, in a recent essay titled Sometimes I Feel Like a Bad Mom, she admitted that sometimes mom life can feel more, quote, boring than hashtag blessed. Or in our conversation ahead, where she opens up about the pressures and challenges of breastfeeding and pumping on the job. It's this powerful duality in Kate and most other women that people sometimes miss. Down to earth, but audacious. Warm, but also a warrior for what she believes in. When asked to describe herself, she admits she's a fighter, a quality that most people don't know about her. That is, until now. Kate Hudson, it's so exciting to have you on Unstyled today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having
1: me. I'm excited.
0: So a lot of listeners might know you from your roles in iconic films like Almost Famous, which, congratulations, still, you were nominated for an Oscar for, and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. But in addition to acting, you also balance being an entrepreneur and a designer, and you've been doing this for quite some time while you're making films. You have a successful athleisure brand called Fabletics, which so many people love, and I actually own some pieces, and they definitely seem like they're technically designed as well as aesthetically designed, so thank you for that. And and now you're working on a project with New York & Company.
1: Yeah, so New York & Company is my partner, really. They came to me, and I have always wanted to do something in Mm ready-to-wear, and they wanted to try something different and create a line that... I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. I said, great. Well, here's what I want to do. And they went, great, let's do it. And I was kind of shocked because usually in companies that are that big, they kind of have their way of doing things, but it was the opposite with them. They were really excellent and they've put a lot of trust into me in terms of the direction I wanted to go in. New York and Company is going to always hold the line and have the collection, but they Are actually kind of like a buyer, like anyone else will roll out into other retailers and it will be available online. And it's been an amazing collaboration with them. They have the resources so that I can make the clothes that I want to the way I want to at a certain price point, which is incredible. So... Mm -hmm. For me, the number one thing was sustainable fashion. I think that's the future. I keep hearing so it's many... the th- present, too. Yeah, I mean, I wish it was the present. The reality is, is that not enough people are doing sustainable anything in fashion. They do little collections or they try things out. It's really challenging to do, or they think. When you start doing, you realize it's a little bit extra work, but it's so worth it and you can make the same kinds of price points, but you just have to find the right fabrics and you have to really rifle through certain things and natural fibers and sometimes not necessarily go down a route that you wanted to go And You have to kind of design around the fabric. Well, it's a new way of thinking, actually. Totally new way of thinking. And also selling because in terms of packaging, I had this thing the other day where I was looking at my house. Everyone's shopping online, especially when you're busy. Now I've got three kids. You shop online, and one day I had all these boxes and plastic. It made me sad to think that this is the reality, but how do we change that? We change it by, if I'm going to use my platform, if people are saying like, oh, we really want you to do something in ready-to-wear, then let's do it with a focus on hopefully making it successful enough to where people will follow suit. You know, we talked about reducing our footprint, so less plastics. Our bags, everything we ship in, biodegrades in 12 to 18 months. We don't use plastic tags. We use all natural fibers. Things like that go a really long way in terms of your carbon footprint. And hasn't taken away from our designs or what we want to do or- Has it taken away from the timeline or anything? All it does is it makes us halt on certain things that we want to do for a certain collection as we're trying to find the right materials. But we can always find alternatives, right? Yeah. So it's not the end of the world. I think the goal is to be as sustainable as possible, to be as eco-friendly as possible. It's very hard to be completely sustainable, but it's all about how we make those efforts. If that's the main goal, it's going to take us some time to get to be that kind of company where everything is sustainable. But I just think people want transparency. You want to know what you're getting. You want to know what it is. You want to be honest about it. For me, it's important that I can be transparent about the things that I'm putting out there. So
0: I think it's also important that more companies are looking at the education piece of it, that mm-hmm. people are learning as they are consuming, because I don't think there is enough of that. I do think that there is a sense of curiosity because there's so much volume now in mm-hmm. terms of what people can choose from. Obviously, we know that the fashion industry contributes so much to... Number two
1: industry. Exactly. Worst carbon footprint. Yeah. Exactly. And I love fashion. <laughs> well, we It's do. a really hard thing because fashion it's is such form. a huge part of my life. And it's an art form. I mean, I love it. So when you hear that, you're like, okay, well, we need to do something about that yes. as a community of people who love fashion and work in fashion. I find it to be a responsibility to do the best you can. The other thing is, When you talk about consumerism, there's two different worlds of fashion. You know, there's high fashion. There's a certain level of fashion that is for a certain type of person because only 1% of the population can afford it, right? And that's where we find all our trends and they're the great artists and the trendsetters and all of that. And then there's inclusivity in fashion. I think more and more people are looking towards as a way of connecting with everyone and allowing the industry to really flourish. We have to include everybody. And in mass market fashion, I think that is where I would like to make an impact if I could in hoping that I could make a line successful enough that other brands that are incredibly large will start making real strides towards more eco-friendly and sustainable. That's an example. I hope so. I hope it just sort of like puts a little thing in everyone's ears going, yeah, maybe we should lessen our plastic. Maybe we should start looking at how we package our clothes from the factory and all that.
0: But I think the point is not to love fashion less, but to look at it as an opportunity to be able to change the Mm -hmm. industry because it's a complete disruption right now anyway. And there's so many companies that are going bankrupt because they don't know how to adapt and they're unwilling to adapt. And I think that you're right customers really want they want a story they want a story that they can actually be a part of mm-hmm. and I think something like this if you're talking about like looking around your house and obviously you know you might have a very different lifestyle than a lot of other people but I still think that that's something that really connects us all We're all looking around our houses and looking at all the trash that we create yeah oh yeah and it isn't
1: exclusive to fashion anyone no but you do have to pay attention to statistics and number two industry is big. When people talk about the fashion industry having a hard time, everything's changing so fast and things are turning around so fast. I think one of the reasons why I've found success in fast fashion is when it's digitally native, when there's a very strong digital component. Because of someone who's had success in that area with my other company, Fabletics, I will say that to have a strong community presence digitally and being digitally native is paramount in retail now because once you start rolling out into retail stores, you realize that people always want the retail experience. It's not dead. It just isn't. If your brand DNA has a strong online presence and you can direct to the areas where you know your consumer is, the retail space is actually really quite available to you. So there's just different approaches, I think, from the business perspective, not just the creative perspective, but from looking at how to build fashion industries now. And I think that something you said
0: earlier is really important. I think a lot of companies, we see it in publications like Business of Fashion and um, Women's Wear Daily, is that there's a seemingly excuse or the barrier to entry is that we can't make the product that we want to make by also making these compromises or making these changes. And if you can actually be an example of somebody that can actually prove you can make a high-quality product and create a timeline that still works within what's relevant and what people want, I think it's a very admirable thing. So I
1: hope so. You know, but it's like I always say... You're going to try. Art and commerce should never really mix, but they do. They We kind of make them. You know, I say that in movies. You say it in the fashion industry. I always say I have these two sides of my personality and people say it's the angel on your shoulder and the devil on your shoulder. Well, on my shoulders is my right brain and my left brain, literally (laughs) right above my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And one of them is very business oriented and very logical. And the other one is so creative that I need to literally shut down the linear side of my brain to access it because I need to get there every once in a while. But to try to marry those two is one of my favorite things I've loved doing in film and now in fashion. And you can do it. You can do it. But you do have to make compromise. It's just like any relationship.
0: I think it's a specific kind of training, but also an awareness. I think that sometimes creative people, and I was one of those people as an editor and a writer, that was intimidated by the business piece, was intimidated by the marketing and the distribution piece, And it's something that, you know, I really credit our chief content officer, Amy Emmerich, for really instilling in all of us is that it's an advantage to understand the business that you're in. And I think it's really important for people not to feel as though just because they're creative, that's their special skill, that it doesn't mean that they can't understand and operate in those conversations and have that language.
1: I also think sometimes, too, you know, there's this thing because I kind of exist in between I love to wear the couture gowns, and then I'm really happy in a dress that costs 98 bucks. And I
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today.
1: I think that this idea that fashion is only cool if it's expensive is sort of one of those things that... I think it's way cooler when it's not it's. But you know what I mean? Like, I think there was this old mentality that there were, like, the mass market, big guys that are out to make a lot of money, and then there's ones that are out to actually have more integrity. And that was sort of the way the dialogue happened. And for me, it's interesting as someone who has a lot of integrity in the things that I do and cares a lot about quality to go into a place where you're actually in affordable fashion. There's so much work goes into the details of what we're doing. There's nothing fast about it, you know? Yeah. And I'm appreciating that these worlds are now feeling more melded. Everybody's sort of wrapping their arms around each other. And, you know, it's nice. (laughs)
0: Unstyled podcast was made possible by Estee Lauder, the eponymous luxury beauty brand created by one of the world's first women entrepreneurs. As a confident rule breaker ahead of her time, Mrs. Estee Lauder once said, I never dreamed of success. I worked for it. In her entrepreneurial pursuit, she invented disruptive opportunities to connect directly with her customers in a personal way that altered the beauty industry forever. Learn more about how Estee Lauder is continuing her legacy in-store and online at estelauder.com. Your company, Fabletics, launched in 2013. But even from the beginning, you were doing inclusive sizing. You were doing extended sizes. And I think the fact that you cared about that and that you were really dedicated to exploring how you could make that company Mm -hmm. adapt to what you knew your audience wanted from you is great. And I think it's important that people like you are talking about that a lot more because a lot of what I hear is that we don't have the machines, we don't have the factories, you know, to actually work with that can actually make extended sizing. And we can't keep falling back on those same excuses. Otherwise, the industry doesn't move forward.
1: What's interesting about extended sizes is that it is a different design. Like, you do design the clothes differently. So it takes, again, that extra effort and investment that is hard for a lot of companies because it costs money. And I think it's like what you're saying. There's a conversation that just because you're a creator or an artist that you can't be integrated into the- Or taken seriously. right? the business component of what we're doing because it's it's business and it's big business. Did you think people didn't take you seriously because you were an actor? Um, I think people still don't take you seriously when you're in... You personally also, or just people in I general? I think people in general... I mean, I, I don't know. I have a very thick skin. I think it has to do with growing up with brothers that I don't care what people think. <laughs> so it's sort of like, you know, my brother always says like, God, you really don't care. And I'm like, I just don't because... If I feel good about something, I feel good about it. I don't worry about how other people think. But I think for sure, I mean, I've had many experiences where it's sort of like, oh, well, you don't really know what you're talking about, you know, because, I mean, what do you know? And you're sort of like, okay, sure. Well, it just is what it is. It's a female thing. I don't think it's just an actress thing. I think it's definitely when you're a woman who walks into what is still actually quite male-dominated industry in terms of on the executive level, you know, a lot of times it's just the eyes roll. I come at it from a more creative perspective, but I really believe that taking risks creatively in certain areas is what can elevate business. And I find that in All businesses not just in the fashion business you know I think too we're in a time where everybody wants to sell something Mm -hmm. and I get it you know it's a great place to make a living you can endorse products as an actor and use your platform in lots of different creative ways right and a lot of people don't want to put the effort in because it's a lot of work and that's fine too you know it's like if you love a product let everybody else do it and go and be like I love this product you know and I've been known to do that as well (laughs) I've always just like to roll my sleeves up and get more involved because if I'm talking about it, I need to feel good about what I'm doing. I just have to feel good about what I'm putting out there. Yeah, I kind of feel like I owe it to the people that follow me or my fans that I'm not going to lead them in the wrong way, that I'm always very honest about the things that I'm doing. So... I think people in that way maybe think that it's just something you attach your name to and it's not something that you're actually in Invested the nuts in. and bolts and daily, you know, with my head designer and I on WhatsApp while she's in India, you know, wake up first thing and we're going back and forth on designs and fabrics. It's a completely hands-on experience from everything on the site to marketing strategies to talking about language and... It's a full-time job.
0: Committing to being an entrepreneur, I know it can seem really glamorous, but it's no job too small. It's something I always talk about. You know, we launched Refinery29 almost 14 years ago. Oh, I can't even believe it. Thank it's you. so
1: crazy. And it's so before Twitter, large. Before, I know. Before I remember. Twitter,
0: I know. Thank you. And looking at like how much my job has changed, even just as the editor of the company and how you have to be willing to be interested and curious about every single detail, Otherwise, you can't really participate with how it evolves and you kind of lose interest. And I think
1: those parts are really interesting. The unglamorous parts of doing a job. It also might be a personality thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know when your birthday is. I'm very big on signs. Some people aren't. But if you... December, have, I'm Sag. You're a Sag. And I'm an Aries. We're fire science. Okay. You know, we're worker bees. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that there's some people that need to make things right, that have that thing in them, you know, and fight. I'm a fighter. I don't think people know that about my personality. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, like, if I believe in Justice, something, yeah. yeah, I want it to be right. If something doesn't look right, I care about the details. I really do. And I wish sometimes I could be someone who could let more of those things go. But it's just not my personality. I am that kind of entrepreneurial type of personality. I'm that, that likes. home, too. I like to build. I like to create. And I like to be a mayor of my little city. It's fun to be able to put incredibly talented people together and create something and then be able to go talk about it because it's not just me doing it. You know, in every aspect of the businesses that I'm creating, there's people, top people that really know what they're doing, that are really passionate about what they're doing and passionate for the companies. And for me, it's just fulfilling. And then it allows me to be with my kids. Yeah. Because instead of being on movies, it allows me to be home But you're more. not going to stop doing movies, right? No, no, I'm going to shoot one in a month. Oh, good. But I'm definitely doing less. I mean, I obviously just had a baby, so that's also why. Congratulations. But- Thank you. You too. Thanks. And we were talking that your baby. This is so
0: weird and it's crazy, so but cra- funny. I was reading the research deck about Kate and um, I hadn't realized. I knew that you had a baby. I was obviously very happy for you. Your daughter was born on October 2nd, right? Yeah. And um, her name is Ronnie Rose. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was born on October 18th and her name is Raffy Rose. It's the cute, <laughs> it's almost like a book. So dorky. I know. Ronnie and Raffi. Ronnie and Raffi. I'm always looking for really great useful mom advice because okay. she is my first baby and I know I'm going to make a lot of mistakes I already have but it's such an exciting and rewarding experience to have built this company but also now to be focusing on just what it's like to have this new job that I know nothing about can literally. we just talk about work and
1: pumping just for a second <laughs> yes. can we have like a mommy moment of course about we can the, okay because here's my dilemma with pumping and breastfeeding I love nothing more than to breastfeed. I love it so much that time and their little faces when they're looking up. When at When they you. look and they smile. I know when it. they smile Ron, at you. I and know. Ronnie like grabs her hand and she reaches and she plays, she plays with my, my necklaces. Face. So as mommies, and by the way, we're doing really good. I mean, we're into six months of breastfeeding. Yes. And they're starting solid foods. It's almost like, okay, we did it. Like we got over that hump of intensive six ounce. And no
0: judgment to anybody else that decides not to do it. Oh, but absolutely, I really, not. I, I didn't absolutely even, not. I didn't even know how it was going to go if I was going to be able to make milk. It's like, it's such a crapshoot. No, Ugh, you don't really know. I have a hard time making
1: milk. Do you produce so much it's milk? It's the only thing that has come <gasps> easy to me in my oh, entire my God, pregnancy I'm experience. So See, I'm the opposite. So now I'm the woman who get pump for 30 minutes and get an ounce and a half. And I'm like, oh my god! that's
0: a precious ounce and a half. Yeah, seriously, you're not going to throw that away when you're traveling to Europe. Like I feel like I have to do.
1: And I realize, like for all women, part of the thing, like what you're saying, which is, I feel that pressure, and I'm always saying to people, like, don't feel that pressure. It's okay. But here I am, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling only for myself, putting it on myself, going. how long can I do this?
0: We are so hard on ourselves. It's absurd. After everything that you did to even bring her into the world, I it's like there was I a suck.
1: great article. I think it was either The Atlantic or Time Magazine, all about mm-hmm. sort of moms, this whole idea that what a mother is supposed to be. I think be it was how New much pressure we're putting on yes. ourselves. Uh, it made me feel better, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but the pumping thing. It's really. I mean, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. I don't. You know.
0: It's painful. It's a pain in the ass. It's inconvenient. It it does feel like I'm already thinking about obviously winding down and putting the cabbage leaves on my boobs or putting them into my bra, which is all my friends are telling me to start doing. I forgot about that. Yeah, but I feel
1: really happy that I got to have this experience with my daughter. I had this one friend who couldn't breastfeed and it was so traumatizing for her, you know, and she felt like she couldn't have that bonding experience and... It's just not true. It's you know, not true. Women who have a hard time with that or it hurts or they have... Mastitis. Mastitis, all that. It's just like your kids will bond with bottles as much as they They bond. don't care. Yeah, I mean, you just need the bonding time, but... You know, they just want to be on, on you skin. Yeah like pulling your hair yeah.
0: out And like Aww. drooling on you and stuff It's like that's just as good it's, It really is I know Kate Hudson It has been so much fun Having you on on Style today Thank you I know how crazy your schedule is And I really appreciate you Coming Thank in you. to this talk with great. us Thank you this was great This was great Thanks I hope you're inspired After hearing Kate's story For even more Unstyled extras, check out Refinery29 or my Instagram at Christine Barbrick. You can also join the conversation using the hashtag Unstyled across your social media. And of course, we'd be infinitely grateful if you'd please subscribe to Unstyled on Apple Podcasts and rate us while you're there. You can head over to Refinery29.com to find this episode and more. And make sure to sign up for our exclusive Unstyled newsletter delivered straight to your inbox every week. Our show today was executive produced by Bridget Todd, associate produced by Jay Brunson and Rebecca Easley, and edited by Priscilla Mena and Anna Costanza. Copy support was provided by Leanne Duggan. Our theme music today is by the artist Koff, and we recorded Unstyled with Paul Ruist at Argo Studios and Gotham Podcast Studios. We'll see you back here next Monday for a conversation with the editor-in-chief of The Cut, Stella Bugbee, on Leaning into the Chaos of the Digital World. See you then.